Content warning, this episode contains references to violence, murder, and self-harm. If you are seeking help, please visit or call the hotlines included in the description down below. I murder! Hi everyone, welcome to I Murder, the podcast where Gen Z talks true crime. I'm your host Jocelyn and today we have social media influencer and fashion guru Bailey Richards joining us. Hey Bailey. That's me, that's me. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you on. Bailey, how do you feel about being on the podcast right now? I feel incredible. 10 out of 10. What's that Dua Peep song? Levitating. I feel like I'm levitating. (laughs) I feel so good today. You're Dua Lipa. I am the baby. Yeah, sure. I think I'll, we're take I'll take that. it. I'll take okay, it. I'll take it. No, I'm really excited to have you on. Um, this case that we're covering today, I actually never heard of before, and I don't think you've heard of either. It's like a very low key case, but I chose it because it has a lot of twists and turns, and it's just like absolutely insane. And I thought that just resonated with you because you're so full of surprises, Bailey Richards. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say I'm full <laughs> of twists and turns and insane, but I'll take that too. Yeah, <laughs> you're absolutely insane too. So I thought this would be perfect. okay so let's get started yes yes Yes. okay perfect all right so uh on march 17th 2015 an indianapolis police officer did a routine check under the white river bridge only to make an odd discovery he spots a mysterious van parked nearby over a small pool of blood And this strikes him as unusual because typically the officers would find, you know, like a few homeless people, maybe some clutter, but this was new. Guided by his curiosity, the officer runs a license plate check on the van and boom. The search results display the owner's name, a man, but not just any man. The van belonged to Stephen Doyle Williams, a 52-year-old man who was declared missing only three days before. His wife, Opal Williams, made a 911 call on March 13th to report her husband missing. Stephen was born in Fort Worth, Texas in 1963. He was intelligent and he grew up in a humble home. He quickly got married at 18 years old with a woman named April. They had three kids together. He was a great dad. He did everything to care for his family. He even joined the army and he self-taught himself like computer skills, which is insane because you know like it's not easy to like learn about computers you know uh probably like got that microsoft word <laughs> certification. he put typing skills on his resume yeah go steven yeah. go bestie <laughs> so in 1995 steven and april filed a divorce um and he began to raise his kids on his own it was around 2006 that he grew increasingly lonely you know it had been a few years since the divorce and he missed having someone you know to love him to like be around him but faithfully on a night out with his friends 42 year old steven met 25 year old opal drevenstead at a karaoke bar in cedar rapids iowa they instantly hit it off and starting that night they met up at the karaoke bar every single night their relationship grew and soon enough they got married so very much a high school musical Mm. uh romance start right my first correct? thought yes that but also i'm like opal april this man has a type like the names opal <laughs> april um opal, but you know april. they're cute they're cute <laughs> yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of liking them together they sound very uh, very much yeah. like a disney original yeah uh, 
kind of love yeah, story. Yeah, very much so. It's giving lemonade mouth. It's giving geek charming. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that was good. Okay, so obviously they moved in together at one point. Uh, and their families actually got along really well. Like, Opal had her own kids. And Steven obviously had his three kids. And, you know, it was all like a happy little bunch. And everything seemed to be going well. Until Opal got her commercial driving license. So Opal grew up on the road with her dad, who was a truck driver. And naturally, her love for the road was really strong. And it stayed that way until adulthood. According to Opal, her lifelong dream was to become a truck driver. So when she got married to Steven and settled down, that's what she did. But this caused problems within the marriage. Truck drivers spend a lot of time on the road, and I mean a lot. So, of course, Opal being away for so long brought the couple to slowly lose their spark. They'd have more arguments than usual, and even sleeping in different rooms at some point. Um, the couple's relationship only grew more strained when they received an unexpected call from Opal's ex-husband Don's current wife, Linda. She explained that she needed time away from Dawn, but had nowhere to go. So Linda was asking them for help. She was like, hey, girl, um, I am having problems with your ex-husband, but I literally have no place to go. So you have a spare room? She and they're said, mayday, like, mayday. Play, <laughs> play SOS by the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> SOS, the, chi- the what is it? The, the chipmunk girls? What are they called? The chipettes? <laughs> SOS by the Chipettes. The Chipettes <laughs> <laughs> <The> cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and Stephen and Opal insisted on helping her. They're like, yeah, girl, like, we're down. We have a spare room. Um, and on so, like, that's one extra person in their house. Um, at the time, like, Opal's two sons, they were, like, really young. They were staying with them. Um, so it was her... Uh, it was Linda, the two kids, and on top of that, Stephen's pregnant daughter and her boyfriend moved back into the house, um, cause, like, you know, they didn't have anywhere to go after she found out she was pregnant. So, at this point in 2015, Opal and Stephen had a full house. Everywhere you look, everywhere we sit. <laughs> sing it. I'm sorry, I had, to, I had to do it. I had to give a little performance. Um, so yeah, they had a full house in the suburbs of Indianapolis. Uh, but when March rolls around, everything began to crumble. On March 14th, Stephen disappeared. Three days later, as mentioned, an Indianapolis police officer discovers Stephen's van parked under a local bridge with a pool of blood nearby. Once backup arrives, they take a closer look inside the van, only to find splotches of blood everywhere. The first thing they do is search for Stephen. They look inside the van, around the river, every corner of the bridge, and after hours of searching, nothing comes up. The police send their CSI team on the scene to gather and process all the evidence. Meanwhile, they begin piecing all the information they have together. It all started with Opal Williams' 911 call. I actually have the recording here, so I'm going to play a little snippet for you. Hi, this is Opal Williams. Um, I was just wondering if I could file a missing persons report because my husband's been missing since between midnight and 2 early Wednesday morning. Okay. He's supposed to be taking high blood pressure medication and um, 
has it on to help him sleep and be on the BiPAP machine, and all of that is here. Okay, and you said he's been missing. He's been missing since Wednesday. Since er, very early Wednesday morning, between midnight and 2 a.m. is the last time I've seen him. I've been trying to get you guys to do a missing report, and you guys keep telling me I have to wait till today. So I really need to get this done. Okay, so, like, what are your thoughts? What are you thinking? I think it sounds like she's reading a script. Like, she's lifting, li- like, listing off these, like, PowerPoint things. And I think especially the way that it ends is, like, so powerful because she's, like... Not like, oh, I've been trying to, like, get the, like, get people out to find him. She says, I've been trying to get this done. Like, she's checking off a box by, like, getting the authorities on it. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's like she, she's, oh, it's almost like, um, like a complaint call. Like, if you're making a complaint to corporate kind of thing where she's like, oh, I'm just trying to, like, get this over with. But, um... But, like, typically, like, if you're a missing person's family member, you're a lot more urgent and, like, distraught about it. Um, And it's obviously a very touchy subject. So when you're on the phone and you're desperate to get help from a police officer, you're not just going to be like, oh, yeah, so, like, he needs his medication. Yeah, so, like, he needs this and this and that. And uh, this is, like, such an inconvenience. It's not like that. It's like, oh, my God, I need help right now. I have no idea where my husband is. And I I really need any kind of help right now. Right. We didn't really hear that. I don't think we heard that. And also, if it's like she said, and she's really genuinely worried that he's, you know, missing, like, I obviously can't speak from personal experience. I don't want to, like, judge someone's, like, not grieving process, but, like, you know, how they react to a situation like that. That's true. I'm just saying, if I, if that was me, and I genuinely thought that my, you know, spouse was missing, I feel like I might have done more than just call them. You know, I might be down at the station, especially, like, she says, oh, you've been making me wait to do this, like... Babes, yeah. get your butt down to the station then. Come on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, not like, trying to judge, on- but I'm just thinking, you know, if, if I was in that situation. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. No, it's true because everyone does react differently in these cases. And, like, uh, it, it's hard to say how, like, you personally would react if you've never been in that position. But definitely, like, you expect a little bit more urgency, especially right. if it's your husband. Um, so, yeah. So, according to Opal... Um, and later on in that 911 call, she states that the last time she saw Stephen was four days earlier with her cousin and a family friend at a Wendy's where the couple had a heated argument. Um, <laughs> and so it, it looks like um, at the Wendy's, like they will go more into this argument and like the whole situation. But it looks like he stormed off, like Stephen stormed off in the middle of the argument. Mm-hmm. And that was the last time they she messed saw his him. order up. Yeah. <laughs> that was a cherry on top it sent him out, it sent him out. <laughs> they gave me seven nuggets instead of six best friend oh wait six <laughs> instead of seven that doesn't make seven. sense <laughs> they gave me a chocolate what oh, it's not a i ordered vanilla they gave me a chocolate frosty i ordered vanilla <laughs> <laughs> so immediately immediately after the 911 call detective bartlett was sent to interview opal on the phone uh, in the interview, Opal says that she and her friend, Ricky, drove to Oklahoma to look for Steven, and they've been stopping in every truck stop along the way. They believed he might have been on his way to see daughter, his daughter in Texas, um, which is, I don't know if that's, like, a solid explanation. Like, after an right. argument, you decide to go see your daughter, like, in a different state. I don't know. Did they Not just leave the valid. kids at home? Because weren't they still pretty young at that time? It, they, they probably left the kids uh, with their grandma. Um because okay. yeah we'll go more into it at the end like what 
what mm-hmm. happens to the kids and stuff. So Detective Bartlett okay. asked Opal what their last argument had been about. And according to her, they had gotten heated over their chaotic home life. And like personally, I get it. Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine having what eight people, including a newborn infant, in the under the roof, under right. one roof? Because uh, the his pregnant Stephen's pregnant daughter had already given birth at the time. Um, so it's obviously so overwhelming. Not only that, but Opal stated that Linda uh dawn's her first husband's current wife who was living with them was having an affair with steven and this is when steven makes a proposal to linda and i hope you're sitting down for this (laughs) because he suggested that linda be the sister wife in their relationship yeah which is like i love a good love triangle i'm a twilight fan myself (laughs) i love a good love triangle (laughs) girl (laughs) i mean if if they could make it work i'm here for it i am personally hashtag team edward in this case but but well literally i'm team linda i don't know about (laughs) you i'm just playing (laughs) but like do you right like do you as long as it works it makes you happy exactly but this is definitely like a a soap opera twist like this is a new episode of days of our lives like this is what i'm getting from here Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. obviously opal was upset uh when he offered this to her but you know she had already had one failed marriage she didn't want to have another one so she Mm -hmm. decided to try it out but after a few weeks of trying out this whole like love triangle shebang uh it became more apparent to opal that this wasn't going to work out and according to Mm -hmm. her linda would antagonize and bully her while steven was away at work which is awful can you imagine that right definitely not getting them off to a good start for sure maybe that's not a solid (laughs) foundation for a a triangular relationship successful relationship yeah, yeah no matter the shape no, triangular no whatever, matter the you shape. know never a good idea yeah. <laughs> to harass your partner <laughs> to verbally harass so your partner <laughs> yeah so on the night of march 10th opal invites steven to wendy's to discuss the issue which is honestly the best place <laughs> to hold a serious conversation about your marriage problems right you know? as one does yeah. you know what i mean like as yeah, one does it's <laughs> talking out over a frosty <laughs> over some over spicy chicken nuggets the four for four. Yeah, four, for four yeah yeah but, sounds like a great yeah. plan and you, you kind of like eases the tension a little bit i would say yeah for sure yeah. I, I bet everyone in that wendy's was having a great time <laughs> that night you know listening to their can conversation. you imagine yeah. <laughs> working in that wendy's and hearing this go on <laughs> They don't get paid enough to do all that. They, they, do not. they do not. They're like, I know I'm not working the night shift to be here in this. <laughs> right, right, right. So her cousin, Charlie Lehman, and her friend, Ricky King, came along as kind of like a support system. And apparently, the sister-wife discussion got really bad and Steven stormed out of the fast food restaurant. And the next day, when Steven didn't show up, Linda just left the house. So now it's just like Opal's on her own. So now that Steven's van had been discovered, Detective Bartlett calls Opal for another interview. She's still in Oklahoma with her friend Ricky, and she's told the news about the van. According to the detective, she was happy to hear that, you know, like some news came up. um, And immediately, she turned around to go back to Indianapolis. 
At this point, there are several possibilities. Uh, detectives believed it could have been possible that Stephen willingly went up and gone with Linda. Perhaps they just wanted to disappear for a few days. He could have also mm. left the city to blow off some steam or to like visit his daughter in Texas. But there's one detail that rules all of those theories out. And it's the blood found in and around the van. This brought detectives to theorize that Stephen could have hurt himself, uh, given his history with depression and self-harming, um, w- which would explain, like, you know, the blood um, and also, like, the random disappearance. Mm. But a mysterious phone call from the Indianapolis Fire Department interrupted all of these theories. The fire department had received a report on a person who was seen jumping off the White River Bridge just a few days prior. This could have been Stephen, and the investigators Mm. immediately respond. They send units to the river to look for what might potentially be Stephen's body. After hours of searching, the police receive another phone call from preliminary investigators. The results from the car sweep were finally processed. So it turns out the little splotches of blood stains all around the interior of the car uh, was concerning enough to conclude that something did happen in the van. So that's what their conclusion was. It's not like somebody got a paper cut and like started swinging their arm around the entire interior of the van. Right, was they like, started doing like TikTok dances in the van. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, what kind of blood, what amount of blood is it's like funny. not concerning? I don't like, yeah. where's that distinction? Where's the line drawn? <laughs> where is the line drawn? Yeah, when you see like more than three splotches of blood, like where? what are we counting? What are we counting here? <laughs> They're uh, a little tie-dye project, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little DIY moment. Right. Uh, <laughs> So, um, so once the sun went down, investigators called off the search with no sign of Stephen or any more evidence in the water. But right when they were leaving, they find one piece of evidence, huge evidence. Investigators spot a rolled up piece of carpet by the homeless camp at the shoreline of the water where Stephen's van was found. And within the carpet, they found bloodstains. The carpet displayed signs of having been covered by water at some point. So what it seems like from like a first um, inter- first point interaction is that this was uh, washed ashore. So this, this carpet had actually been underwater at some point. So investigators roll open the carpet just a little bit, enough to find a human head. And at this point, uh, they just stop. They stop rolling the carpet. And... Let me sorry, let me just say this is one of those rare times <laughs> that the case is handled appropriately cuz typically like uh investigators will go full ham. They'll get too excited and they'll like start messing with the evidence. But this time they actually, you know, respected that and they immediately sent the carpet over to the coroner's office to have a proper autopsy done. Yeah, I'm just you know listening to this and i'm curious like how you don't know like it's like a princess in the peace situation like how did they not know was there no lump in the the <laughs> rug do you know what i'm saying like you know like a snake sw- like swallows a giant rodent or something and you see like yeah. that lump in their like body like was there no lump in the carpet like how do you just not see that there's a big thing in the carpet i'm guessing that this is like one of those really thick carpets that like literally like no matter how many how you roll it it just looks so like perfectly smooth i think 
my my question is like how was this carpet tied up if there's a like a human body in there like how was it tied up enough so that it could be underwater and in perfect shape when it gets like washed ashore right it sounds to me like this is a magic carpet sounds like aladdin crashed in the river (laughs) it sounds like very i can show you the like that sort of situation dark version of aladdin yeah yeah (laughs) like a dark twist on (laughs) this that's what i'm hearing <laughs> yeah that's what i'm hearing too i agree best friend that's just the case <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, so the aut- oh no so at the coroner's office the body was described as a white middle-aged male fitting the description of stephen williams although a few days had passed the cold water preserved stephen's body meaning that his body hadn't displayed like a lot of signs of decay and this obviously helps assure that the autopsy was precise and reliable so the results come in and it reveals that stephen had suffered a vicious death his throat had been cut and he suffered from several stab wounds to the chest ultimately ruling his death a homicide by stabbing so now is when investigators start putting some of the pieces together They believed that after Stephen and Opal's argument, Stephen might have put an end to his relationship with Linda. So Stephen, like at the Wendy's, Stephen could be like, you know what? Hey, girl, I hear you. I hear why you're upset. I'm going to break things off with Linda. And so he goes and he does that. And this could have caused Linda to completely lash out at him in jealous rage. Um, Because obviously at this point, Linda's super infatuated by him. So like, it's not a surprise if she would react like that way um so this is what causes detectives to officially make linda a person of interest and when linda was first informed of steven's body turning up in the river investigators report that she was genuinely shocked yet she couldn't really offer um like solid explanations or like a lot of information to help move the investigation forward so investigators like had no choice but to look elsewhere so in hopes of getting any kind of lead authorities turned to steven's family members including opal's kids and opal's kids provide one interesting detail you know how opal said it was steven's idea to do the whole open relationship idea that was a lie it was actually opal's idea According to Opal's son, Opal had been the first to seek a relationship outside of the marriage. And you want to take a guess at who she first hooked up with? Oh, I'm scared. Was it my boy Ricky? Was it Ricky? It was 56-year-old Ricky King. The same guy. The same guy who was with her on the night of the argument with Steven. On that fateful night in that Wendy's. In the Wendy's fast food chain restaurant. Like oh, girl, I must not tell lies. What are you doing? I know, I know. This is oh it's God. absolutely insane. Um, so like she was the one who initiated the whole thing, but after agreeing to have an open relationship, Steven started hooking up with Linda. So he was like, Okay, you're getting your fair share of, you know, some heat and loving. I want to get that from mm-hmm. Linda. Uh the mm-hmm. only problem is Opal grew really jealous. She noticed how much happier Steven was around Linda, and that just, like, rubbed her the wrong way. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> this is taking a lot to process. So it's sounding like she gave this absolutely no thought before heading, like, headfirst into this relationship. That's... Absolutely. Okay. 
to, okay. it, very hypocritical. She was like, oh, I want to get some hot and loving from Mr. Ricky King. Right. But the minute you get some with Linda, mm-mm, I'm calling quits. Right. I'm calling oh quits. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, yeah. I hope this Ricky guy was fine. I don't know what he looks like, but uh, uncle girl. <laughs> I Were hope he was hot enough know. to fight over. <laughs> yeah, literally. That's what I'm saying. Oh, girl. I hope Ricky yeah. gave her that licky licky. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> Is this PG-13? Can I say that? <laughs> I won't cut it off. That was too good. <laughs> I'm going to make this in, explicit on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was really funny. Yeah, anyways, <laughs> all I know is that uh, my, my girl Opal got that wop. <laughs> <laughs> so this is when uh, things started crumbling down. And now, Opal and Ricky started to look suspicious. I mean, they literally traveled several states away right after Steven was reported missing. And if you want an instruction or a guide or a how-to on how to look suspicious after your husband goes missing, just follow what they did. Just right. zoom out, you know? Okay, that and if they are responsible for his death and they drove all that way... Why did they dump the body right next to where they live, babes? Like, if they're driving, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, you might as well take, not saying that you should, like, like put them in the back people, seat, take them with you. At least put the extra effort. It's just very yeah. lazy. Very lazy. Right. You and I are perfectionists. Like, if you're going to murder, like, do it right. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, if you're a type A personality like us, you would at least, like, commit homicide correctly, right? Right. No that being carpets said, involved. Yeah. That being said, don't kill anyone. <laughs> what's wrong <laughs> yeah but, this is all hypothetical this is all hypothetical, hypothetical. guys in, in a movie scenario in a movie scenario you would do mm-hmm. a little bit more right mm-hmm. so we're just saying jocelyn and i would be better anyways yeah. keep going we, we definitely would <laughs> <laughs> so typically families of missing persons like they stay home and they wait for a phone call or anything to turn up on the case you know but they literally just left and that's just not typical at all they hit the um, open road she's a truck driver she likes driving around i don't know yeah maybe she was maybe clear blowing, head. yeah she's blowing off some steam she was like you know what yeah. very stressful moment for me let me just honk the horn keep going mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so at this point opal and ricky are still traveling they're like returning back to indianapolis it's a long way so while detectives wait for them to come back they go to interview opal's two sons and these are children mind you these are kids so they have to go to like their school to interview them and to hear their side of the story um one of her sons says he had a school play the evening that steven went missing um and they all went to wendy's after except steven steven wasn't at the wendy's um following the meal ricky and opal took the kids to their grandma's house so before they left, before like the adults left, the boys heard them say, we need to take care of business. Mm, okay, so then is it like the next night that they went back to Wendy's? Like they just really like Wendy's or they went back the same no, night? Steven never was was never at the Wendy's. <gasps> Steven never. So that was a lie. That Steven never, he didn't get to eat any no! chicken nuggets before he died. No! Hey! Which is the no! biggest crime in this whole case. No, it is the biggest, the biggest crime. crime. Like, your okay. last meal could have been some, like, spicy nuggets. Right. Okay. I understand now. Okay. I was just really gunning for my boy to get his Wendy's, yeah. but anyways. It was, continue. yeah, it's something that we're both very passionate about. And yeah. it just feels the anger a little bit more. Um, so, obviously, this is an immediate red flag. After interviewing the kids, the investigators call Opal 
and purposely they don't tell her about Steven's body. So Opal doesn't know that they know or that they found his body, right? They say they're still on their way back to Indianapolis. And at this point, deputies are sitting and waiting for hours to like for them to finally return. And when they do arrive, the investigators take Opal and Ricky and separate them immediately. They take them to two different rooms in the Indianapolis Police Department for an interview. They interview Opal first. And they ask her about Stephen's relationship with Linda. And immediately, her expression shifts. It was clear that she did not like Linda. Opal recounts one of her recent arguments with Stephen about her. She had given him an ultimatum. She said, it's either me and the kids or it's you and Linda. He told her that Linda had already left. Like, she was gone. He broke it off. And he begged for Opal to come back. So, she did. And when Opal returns home, who else does she find but Linda? So, there's just a bunch of liars in this case. Steven Steven said that Linda had already been up and gone, but she hadn't. Mm -hmm. Funny enough, Opal broke her own ultimatum. And she gave Steven another shot, despite Linda having stayed. And finally, their marriage seemed to be going well. Until the night of March 10th. It was the evening of Opal's son's school play, and Steven decided not to show up. Instead, he chose to spend time with Linda back at the house. So Opal was furious. In the interview, Opal claimed to have told Steven to meet up with her at Wendy's where an argument sparked. He left the fast food restaurant and drove off. Opal then asked Ricky to take her to her son's grandma's house. Opal kind of lets it all out. She's like ranting about this whole situation like, oh my god, I can't believe like he didn't show up to my son's play. And then uh, he has the audacity to stay with Linda and then he just storms out like blah, blah, blah. There... Ricky and her cousin, Charlie, begin making what seems to be like empty threats. So Opal quotes them saying, we're going to take care of business. We're going to take care of Steven. Opal warns the men not to do anything stupid, but they run off. So she's literally like, oh, no, don't do anything stupid. Don't do anything stupid. Like, stop saying you're going to do these things to him. But they're like, girl, we're out. We're already gone. This is what she's saying, though, right? Yeah, that, this is her side of the story. This is her side of the story, okay. okay. Yeah, this is the interview. Uh, a few hours later, Opal receives a disturbing phone call. Opal explains to the investigators that it was Charlie on the phone, stating that, quote, it was done, unquote. And when she asks for him to explain, he states that he stabbed Stephen Williams in the chest. Essentially, Opal, in the interview just admitted to having been aware of Stephen's murder this entire time. Right. So she's been lying to the authorities this entire time. Mm -hmm. While they keep Opal in custody, they turn their attention to Ricky. So they start his interview. And he recounted a pretty similar story to Opal's and admitted to murdering Stephen. But one thing seemed to be missing. It was Opal's cousin, Charlie. They wanted to hear his side of the story. So the investigators track him down and they bring him in for questioning. According to Charlie, Opal begged him and Ricky to get rid of Stephen. She said she would make it worthwhile for them, 
bribing them with Stephen's $100,000 life insurance policy. And they agreed to do it. Why did I think you were going to say bribing them with chicken nuggets? <laughs> she like, said, Honestly? I got you in that four for four. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah, okay. And Charlie's pretty young, right? Like, he's a little bit younger than the rest of them, you said? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, he's like her mm. little cousin. Okay. So, it, it seemed... So, Charlie was actually the first one who was like, yeah, I'm down, $100,000, like, we'll split it even. Right. And then it was Ricky after that was like, well, I'm in love with you, so I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with whatever you tell me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so Charlie, the money was more important for him. Ricky, he just wanted to make uh, Opal happy. Okay, um, makes sense. But at the end of the day, they agreed to do it. So, um, according to Charlie, on March 10th, the night of the murder... They called Stephen and told him that Opal had been hurt and that he had to go with them. Stephen, oh shit, no, hold on, sorry, let me rephrase that. <laughs> so according to Charlie, on March 10th, the night of the murder, uh, they drive by Stephen's house and tell him that Opal had been hurt and that he had to go with them to check up on her. Stephen was immediately suspicious and he wasn't buying their story. At this point... Ricky and Charlie forced him into the van. And while Ricky drove, Charlie beat Stephen up like a pulp, explaining all the blood in the van. They arrive at the bridge. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's like all all those little blood splatters. Um, yeah. Was, it's all coming was, together now. Mm-hmm, it's all connecting. Mm. They arrive. They arrive at the bridge and dragging him out of the car. Charlie stabs him in the chest. They put Opal on the phone, on speakerphone, and as Stephen is dying, he pleads for his life. What does she do? She tells Charlie to finish the job, and that's when he slashes Stephen Williams' throat. Oh my god, Opal is heartless! She is a Disney villain! She is awful! Opal Opal is not our Opal, you know what I'm saying? She's not our pal. (laughs) She is sick. Girl, on speakerphone! On On speakerphone, finish him! Finish him! She was with, I'm pretty sure she was with her children on speakerphone. Like, she just read some bedtime stories to her kids. She's like on the phone and she's like, end his life. Like right, she talked to me in Good Night Moon, whatever, yeah. close the door, finish it. That is so <laughs> sick. Oh my it god. It is awful. It's cruel. It's like it's so cold blooded. I can't. It's the cherry on top of everything, right? Because he got like he heard her voice, right? Like before yeah. he died. He, he her oh voice. Oh my god. Her voice is probably the last thing he heard before he got killed. That is absolutely sick. It's sickening. Uh, so after they kill him. They attempt to hide the evidence by rolling his body in a carpet and throwing him in the river right after Opal makes a 911 call. So according to Charlie's confession, Opal wasn't only aware of Stephen's murder. She was the mastermind behind it. The three of them, Ricky, Charlie and Opal, were charged in connection to Stephen Williams' murder. So all the evidence backs up charlie's story so this is actually what happened right today opal still claims her innocence however under pressure with all the evidence against her in court she pleads guilty and is sentenced to 50 years in prison 
Charlie, her cousin, pleads guilty as well and is sentenced to 55 years. And Ricky, who also pleads guilty, is sentenced to 45 years in prison. That basically sums up all the details of this case. I kind of like want to hear what you're thinking right now. Right. Well, I'm a little confused. Like, so, I mean, I'm not big into, like, the legal stuff. Um, I'm just here kind of for shits and giggles, obviously. I'm not the most educated on this. But I'm, like, curious. Do you know kind of, like, why there's, like, those slight differences in their, like, charges? Yeah. So, I believe because um, Opal instigated the crime. Like, she's the one who came up with it and was pushing it forward. That's why she got, like, kind of the middle ground. She got 50. But she wasn't Mm -hmm. there to physically harm him. Charlie was the one who actually killed him. Uh, So that's why he got the most years. He got 55. Mm -hmm. Ricky was kind of an accomplice. He helped hide the body. He was the one uh, who, like, drove them to the crime to like the crime scene or like wherever they they uh killed charlie um they killed steven and so because like he also helped cover up everything that's why he got 45 but mm-hmm. ricky ricky didn't beat him up he didn't kill him he didn't stab him so right he, he got the little getaway car or whatever exactly exactly okay. um and also mind you opal probably got some extra years just because she lied to the police this whole time mm, she knew yeah. where the bodies were she didn't say anything uh and that's obviously not legal to like withhold information like that right um, yeah <laughs> not in allowed. case y'all didn't know yeah in, call, in case right. y'all didn't guys know. don't lie to the authorities <laughs> just putting y'all, it out there if you know that there's a dead body somewhere don't just keep that to yourself <laughs> yeah well first off don't yeah don't murder anyone Try not to know where any dead bodies are if you can help it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Try to plug your ears a lot from now on. Right, like, la, 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 la. Yeah, exactly. Um, Uh, The other thing I'm, like, thinking right now, and this isn't really, like, a concrete, you know, like, thought, critique, anything, but I'm just, like, I'm looking, like, as you can see right here, I'm looking at this picture of Steven, and it just makes me so sad. Like, he just has such kind eyes. Like, I'm sure he wasn't, you know, a perfect person. No one is. But, you know, he reminds me of the villain from the Muppet movie. Do you know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Tex Richmond, the guy with who does the rap. Yes, yeah, yes, he reminds he me of him and not in a like, oh, he's a villain way. But yeah, he just like has this look about him. It just makes me yeah. really sad. And I'm hoping also that that insurance money, you know, I hope it made its way to the kids. Right. Or oh. like, you know, one of them who actually needed it. Like, I don't know who that ended up with. I probably did. I didn't I actually didn't research that because I hadn't even thought about that. But because um, Opal is in prison, I'm sure like the life insurance policy changes some way. And it probably does go to like his other immediate family, which would be his kids. Um, mm. But yeah, it's just awful because, yeah, he did have his flaws. But he Stephen was really loved by a lot of people. And he was a right. family man. He was hardworking. Like he was in the army and he like self-taught himself like computer. I always think about like the self-teaching yourself computer skills because he he wanted to make money to support his family and that just right. like shows he was how, a family man he was a family man he was hardworking and dedicated and loving right. and it's awful this is awful it is it is and i'm also wondering too like what about like linda where is she in all this and i keep getting tripped up as well because my dad's girlfriend na- is her name is linda and so really? when i kept saying linda oh, yeah no. <laughs> yeah so when you kept saying I'm it so i was like linda, no no it's linda. yeah jocelyn changed the details of the case because of my life no yeah um <laughs> but yeah that kept tripping me up and now i'm just like wondering like what is linda doing and how on earth 
did these three people, not just one person, but three people look at this situation, right? That you've like laid out here today. Yeah. And think that killing him was the best option. Like obviously money was a motivation, but they could have just broken up, right? Exactly. (laughs) It could have been so simple. Like she could have like just moved out or kicked him out if she wanted to. But oh I don't, it could have been solved so easily. But the thing is that, like, people like Opal are wired very differently. Yeah. Because to commit Sick. murder like that viciously. And the thing is, she didn't just, uh, she didn't just, like, participate in a murder. She wa- She had this entire, she like, plan. She orchestrated the whole she, damn thing. Yeah. She was a mastermind. And she was cruel enough to even, like, be on speakerphone <laughs> while he was dying. So, you know she's not just a regular human being. She definitely has, like, some wiring issues or something. Um, Yeah. Hopefully, Stevens, because his kids are obviously, like, still alive and they're still here. Hopefully, Mm -hmm. Stevens' family is at peace. And they're actually... they can be. These three people are actually going to be released by, like, uh, 2040-something. Like... Oh, like, wow. it, it sounds far away, but it's only, like, a few years from now. It's, like, what, 30 years from now? They're probably going to be 30, 40 right. years well, from now they're going to be released. you know, climate change. The Earth might be <laughs> on fire by then. <laughs> hopefully, you know, hopefully it is. Hopefully it is. It'll take yeah. that down. <laughs> to answer your question about, like, the whole, like, three people, I don't know. It really took mm-hmm. a lot. For me, personally, I was, like, the hardest to believe was Charlie. Uh, right. Because he was her cousin, and the only thing that he had going for him was the money. So Right, which is a hundred thousand. I'm sure I don't know if they take tax off of life insurance or whatever. So it probably wasn't even the full hundred thousand. Divided he was by probably three, gonna split it. Yeah. Divided by three. That's what Bits. is that? Thirty something that that's enough for you to to, to kill somebody? Like yeah. hello? The bare Charlie, minimum. Babes. I mean, I don't know his situation, but, yeah. I, you know, no matter how desperate you are, I don't think murder was the answer. <laughs> oh, Hello? yeah, let me just get out of my student loans real quick. <laughs> right, babes. Murder like, you my were literally husband. at Wendy's. Like, come on, like, give them your job application, turn <laughs> hand in your resume, something. Come on, we can get you on track. Why don't you yeah. replace the employees that had to listen about all your yeah. garbage? Yeah. Right, and I'm like, okay, so there's these three people put like putting their heads together i guess whatever to do this and again like i said it's like how was that the solution they're not even making that much money when they're splitting in three ways right they're yeah. risking so much and you know we talk about opal being this like mastermind but did she really have like a mastermind did she really think this through no, hell no not. again like she drove all that way and again they dumped the body in that like carpet in the water yeah. like did they think that would sink babe it's a rug like yeah it's literally a rug girl did you think oh it would God. stay there forever no. the planning the planning like the drama is there the calling him yeah. on speakerphone and saying oh finish him but the planning was not there clearly definitely. they definitely saw a lot of uh like action movies in their in their time they did say. they were watching a little too much marvel and not enough criminal <laughs> minds if you ask me not enough criminal minds <laughs> if you ask me exactly you know what you're absolutely right well i think that um that ends our episode today oh my god today's episode was so good i'm so happy i had you on bailey i'm so glad you asked me to be on here i love talking to you i love talking about all this you know i do oh i know you do i know you like talking <laughs> period you little okay. blabbermouth. mouth <laughs> no, i'm okay. just kidding i'm just kidding <laughs> y'all don't think i hate bailey please so <laughs> would you like to um like plug in any of your socials 
Um, absolutely. Y'all can follow me, um, if you don't already, which is a shame, honestly, on Instagram <laughs> at base for Bailey. I post really fun stuff, I think. Um, I sometimes post about Criminal Minds, which, like, if you're interested in this, you might be interested in that as well. Um, yeah. but not so much. I'm a little all over the board, but definitely yeah. give me a follow. Definitely is fun. I will be linking all that stuff in the description if you want to check her out. Uh, mm. I personally, as a Joe Mama stan and fan, and uh, <laughs> I hashtag live and breathe Bailey, um, Bailey Richards, I can say that her content is amazing, so you guys should definitely check her out. If you yes. guys want to um, catch our podcast on other streaming sites, we're literally on every uh, major podcast streaming site like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify. Um, and remember to give us a five star review on Apple, um, on Apple Podcasts, because that really helps us uh, reach out to different audiences. And if you guys want to follow our Instagram to get a more visual of this case, you can see Stephen Williams' kind eyes and Opal Williams' uh, cold hearted stare uh mm-hmm. you can check us out at i murder podcast and that concludes our episode and as always you can't be a hottie if you're a dead body and that's the show see you <laughs> next friday bye <laughs> okay bye lord have mercy i'm about to This episode was written, produced, edited, and hosted by Jocelyn Martinez. Music by Kaylee Fermin.